As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Everybody, what's up and welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Sunday night as we are sitting here recording this episode. Sunday night, week nine, Sunday, November 7th is the date and what a Sunday it has been. Michael Beller and Derek Van Riper here with you to talk you through the early waiver wire, help you get a little head start on your thinking as you are going to be placing waivers over these next 48 hours or so, but DVR, what a strange Sunday. Cowboys get embarrassed at home by the Broncos. The Bills score six points and lose to the Jaguars. Survivor bloodbath Sunday, just strange results Sunday. Just a really weird kind of day. James Conner had the biggest fantasy day of anyone on the slate. Just a, a strange, strange day across the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect San Francisco to get beat by double digits uh, by a, a, an Arizona team that didn't have Kyler Murray. That was far from a script that I, I saw coming. But yeah, definitely for all the stability we had in survivor pools, especially we knew weeks like this were coming. And it seems like they're kind of stacked on top of each other here in the middle of the season. Maybe it's, it's injuries piling up. Maybe it's game plans getting around. You know, Maybe it's teams starting to overlook weaker opponents and kind of looking ahead to the following week. That probably happens a little bit more now than it does early in the season too, but uh, the twists and turns are fun, right? It'd be it'd be boring. If we knew what was going to happen mm-hmm. every single week, it would not be fun. It wouldn't be. And, and you know, you and I joked about this on our uh, Week 9 Survivor episode last Wednesday because we were both locking in the Colts over the Jets as our pick, and we were just like, you know, no nothing better in Survivor than to get your team right on Thursday, sit back and cheer for chaos. So anyone who did end up taking the Colts on Thursday night and then was just sitting back and cheering for chaos got that absolutely. And this is not just a way to pat ourselves on the back for being right about the Colts and being off the Bills and off the Cowboys and off all that because we want to go back to Thursday to talk about what we're actually talking about here, early Week 10 waivers, because that's where we find a couple of players and I think probably our most useful player on the wire this week. Let's start with that guy, the wide receiver, Elijah Moore, had himself a very big game in the loss to the Colts. He ended up catching seven of eight targets for 84 yards and a pair of touchdowns. That came after a six-catch on six target for 67-yard game in Week 8, so clearly stacking good performances and 
and, importantly, someone who we were very excited about back in the summer. And obviously things didn't really materialize for him early in the year and he was dealing with some injury. But now we're seeing the guy who the fantasy community loved going back to the preseason. I think that makes it all the more reason to buy into Elijah Moore here. Yeah, there's a, a complicating factor with Elijah Moore, and I guess it's Zach Wilson, just because if you look at the last two weeks, the two best games we've seen from Elijah Moore have come with Zach Wilson unavailable. Mm-hmm. The schedule is great overall going forward. The Jets still catch the Bills twice, once in Week 18, so that has no fantasy implications for most people. They get them next week in Week 10, but they got the Dolphins, they got the Texans, they've got the Saints, they've got the Dolphins a second time, they got the Jags during the fantasy playoffs, and they've got the Bucks during championship week. So there are a lot of spots in which the Jets are going to be throwing a ton. Moore's role seems to be growing. We're talking about at least six targets per game each of the last three weeks. So everything is trending in the right direction. Where does he rank for you overall? Is he kind of a fringe top 40 guy for you right now at the position? Because with injuries and with bye weeks, that puts him right on that flex line, maybe in that wide receiver three range for some of our deeper leagues. Like, are, are you that confident in him right now? Or do you think he's more of a borderline top 50 guy where it's definitely a matchup dependent sort of move? Like, Are you picking him up and playing him in week 10? Or are you picking him up and saying, I'm really intrigued to see if this continues because I like the matchups coming up after that matchup against Buffalo? Yeah, I think he's more of that fringe top 40 guy, which doesn't necessarily mean I'm picking him up and playing him in week 10, but I do think he's someone who, after what we've seen these last couple of weeks, is part of that discussion now every week. Doesn't mean he's a slam dunk, doesn't mean you're picking him up, not even thinking about it, putting him in your lineup. It means that he is now in the discussion of guys where we're like, should we start him? The first guy who comes to mind for me there is Marvin Jones, and I know some of the bloom has come off that rose over these last few weeks, but still, like it's that range of players who we're talking about where you could see arguments in either direction of you yes you could start him because of xyz or no you shouldn't start him because of abc but there are arguments to be made on either side and i think that's where elijah moore is the other complicating factor for him is that uh, Corey davis missed both of these games for the jets sounds like he should be back for the team in week 10 and so obviously that changes the equation a little bit just because Corey davis we don't have any reason to think he doesn't immediately step back in as the wide receiver one for this team but that's why I mentioned that it's important to remember what we thought of Elijah Moore in the summer, what the Jets coaching staff thought of Elijah Moore in the summer. It's not a surprise to see a rookie come on strong at the start of the second half of the season. And so even though Corey Davis should be back for this team in Week 10, I think Elijah Moore has shown this team enough, and they know he's going to be – they hope that he is a big part of their next contending team because they hope their next contending team is not too far away from right now. And so I think we got to see a lot more of him. I think the Jets need to see a lot more of him over the second half of the season. All that adds up to me to make something of a top 40 receiver. Yeah, I wonder, too, if, if this makes Jamison Crowder even yeah. more – waiver worthy than he has been I mean he's kind of a a fringe guy in 12 teamers already I wonder if if Moore's changing role actually comes more at Crowder's expense than anybody else's yeah I think it probably does obviously they're not the same type of receiver so like Jamison Crowder is still gonna do what he does but I wonder if I just feel like the targets could come away from him more than they come away from anyone else. And another guy who could hurt that DVR is Ty Johnson, someone else who we should talk about here. He doesn't really have much of a role as a runner anymore. Barely had one to begin with, did have one early on in the season. Clearly, the Jets have transitioned that 
to Michael Carter. But Ty Johnson has had a big role in the passing game for this team. We saw it again on Thursday night. Only three targets, but turned that into two catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. And over the last three games, 13 catches on 16 targets for 176 yards and two scores. He's got a role to play there. Full PPR, I think he's a guy you can think about in those formats. I think it has to be full PPR. I think even in half, you're really not. There's just not enough here to really want to roster him. But for people who play in full PPR leagues, Ty Johnson suddenly has that J.D. McKissick, old James White sort of look to him. Yeah, and that's kind of where he tops out, right? I I just Mm -hmm. don't see enough there carry-wise to feel like I want to play him. But again, we think about game scripts. We think about games in which the Jets are going to be huge underdogs. That's going to be a a common occurrence. Well, you got one coming up in Week 10. You got four teams on by. Full PPR formats, it makes sense. That McKissick comp, that's exactly the name that I was thinking of when you had Ty Johnson on the rundown. So if J.D. McKissick is relevant in your league week to week, then Ty Johnson probably is as well. Yeah, he had a 12-carry game in Week 2, a game where Michael Carter was unavailable, and I think Tevin Coleman was unavailable as well. Doesn't really matter who was or who wasn't. Other than that one, five carries has been his max. So he's not going to give you anything on the ground, but there is enough here in full PPR leagues uh, through the air to make him someone who we might want to think about. Someone who could give you enough on the ground DVR is Jordan Howard. Another really good game out of Jordan Howard, and it wasn't just in the box score. He looked good in the Eagles' 27-24 loss to the Chargers. What it translated to in the box score was 17 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. We know last week he had 12 for 57 and two scores, and this is just, I mean, this is what Jordan Howard has done going back to his time with the Bears. He's a guy who isn't going to really explode off the page at you, but can get it done, can get it done in short yardage, can get it done at the goal line, and it it did have the feeling on Sunday that he maybe edged a little bit ahead of Boston Scott. Yeah, I I still don't know how much confidence I could really have in this backfield just because week to week it seems like things are are constantly in flux. Eventually Sanders comes back and gets at least some share of the workload back, if not a large share of the workload back. So it's really kind of a band-aid situation for me. Jordan Howard might help you get to this stretch of bye weeks. Maybe he's a a lower-end RB2 because of injuries and all these other factors. I mean, Value-wise, so long as he has a decent hold in the backfield, I would say he's pretty comparable to a guy that the Titans just added to the roster in Adrian Peterson. Mm -hmm. That's where my expectations lie for Jordan Howard at this point. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's get to a couple more guys here really quickly. DVR, one guy who I think definitely has week in and week out utility. It's time for Dan Arnold to be 
I think something close to 100% rostered in fantasy leagues because of what the state of the tight end position is. He is never, ever going to be playing in the same neighborhood as Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller or guys like that. That is not what we're saying. But once you get beyond those obvious high-end starters, there is just this glut of tight ends that are basically the same. And Dan Arnold has a target volume of very high target floor that most guys just don't have. We saw it again on Sunday in Week 9. Seven targets, caught four of them for 60 yards. Over the last four games, he has 30 targets at 7.5 targets per game. He's caught 20 of them, five catches per game. And in three of those four games, he's gone 60 yards or better. He's just getting enough work. And like that right there, I mean, four catches for 60 yards at the tight end position. That's going to play week in and week out, and clearly this Jacksonville team has had an eye on him and has had a role in mind for him for a while now, and so it's good to see it happen. It's good to see it translate, and like when we talk about some of the other guys at the back end of the tight end position, TVR, guys like you know Noah Fant before he missed this uh, week nine game on the COVID list, and uh, you know there's other guys in that sort of range. Ricky Seals-Jones is one who comes to mind uh, with uh, Logan Thomas out, and you know, obviously Logan Thomas is going to be coming back. Like, Give me Dan Arnold over guys like that all day. Yeah, I mean, we talked about, I think on last uh, last week's show, kind of looking ahead at the wire, it's the volume that stands out to me. And much like the situation with the Jets, the Jags, despite that upset win over the Bills this week, they're bad. They're going to be playing from behind a lot. There is going to be volume in that passing game every single week. And because of injuries they've dealt with in that receiving core, Arnold's the kind of guy that's going to pop six-plus targets probably every game here on out. So, yeah, he stays behind the best of the best tight ends, the top five at the position, but he has a path to be maybe the the best of the rest from that group. That's at least in the range of possibilities. I don't expect it, but that gets you pretty excited when you're looking at guys that are really fringy, kind of all clustered together. Week-to-week consistency at the tight end position is not something you always get when you're picking up someone off the wire heading into week 10 of the fantasy football season, and I think Arnold can provide that. I like that. Bet not best of the best, but best of the rest. That's very good. And yeah, like I've got a Logan Thomas team, twelve team league, relatively deep. Logan Thomas team, and you know, with him on IR, I've just been playing Jared Cook a lot. And like, if I could have subbed in Dan Arnold for Jared Cook, I mean, that's a slam dunk. And I do think he is that best of the rest sort of guy. Once you get beyond the obvious group of no doubt about it, slam dunk week in week out, we don't even think twice about him. Tight ends. One more guy to talk about here, and that is Donovan Peoples Jones. Now, Donovan Peoples Jones did almost all of his damage in the Browns' big win over the Bengals on one play. Had a 60-yard touchdown, really nice pass from Baker Mayfield. Two catches for 86 yards in the touchdown was his entire day. But you look at that, 60-yard touchdown and another 26-yard catch. He is that sort of player. Going back to his days at Michigan, he is a big play threat deep down the field, and that's the role he's going to be asked to play even before Odell Beckham was jettisoned from Cleveland. Now with Odell Beckham off of this team, he's going to be asked to play it, I think, even more and potentially more shots for him deep down the field as well, DVR. I mean, we know this passing game right now, it's Jarvis Landry. The tight ends don't do a ton. Richard Higgins is mixed in here. Like, there is a real opportunity for DPJ to step up and have enough target volume to at least matter to us while we're still dealing with buys through week 14. Yeah, I wonder how similar his week-to-week output might be compared to someone like Nicole Hartman, who, because of his situation being in Kansas City and having Patrick Mahomes throwing him passes, I think we probably are a little more patient with Nicole Hartman than we would be otherwise. So I I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is pretty exciting. I think you're right. He's the guy that benefits the most from Beckham 
being out of the picture there. I don't know what to make of this Cleveland team. In the AFC North, it's probably going to be a lot of fun the rest of the way because all four teams, they all have clear flaws, and yet I can kind of talk myself into their offenses in any given week because there's certain things I like about just about all of those teams and what they can do on that side. So I would say if I'm looking at a league where both Elijah Moore and Donovan Peoples-Jones are available, I am prioritizing more because I think the targets will be more consistent, but... Donovan Peoples-Jones, definitely rosterable in those 12-team leagues where you're starting three receivers, given that big playability. We've already seen that in the limited time that he's been in Cleveland. Yeah, This is not the last time we're going to see Donovan Peoples-Jones have a good fantasy day based on one catch. It's just the sort of player he is, and it's the role he is being asked to play in this Browns offense. And that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It's not a bad week in Week 10, and we still got uh, two games ahead of us, Rams and Titans on Sunday night, Bears and Steelers on Monday night. So already shaping up to be a decent enough week on the waiver wire, and maybe we get a few more guys contributed to it. Of course, we'll be talking about that early on on this show this week, but uh, that's enough for right now. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for joining us. Good luck if you're still reaching for things to get a victory in Week 9. We'll talk to you all soon. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.